Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Have you ever found it challenging to bring your whole self into work? And I'm not just talking about one part of you or another. I mean everything, including your Catholic faith. I know that for me personally, I struggle with this a lot. And particularly if you work in the secular world, it can be very challenging and even scary to share your faith with your coworkers. Jane Kennedy saw the struggle in herself and amongst other women that she knew. And this encouraged her to launch the Sunday Monday, a site designed to help women to be bold in their faith, work, and life. On this episode, Jane and I talk about the work that she currently does in criminal justice reform, how the Sunday Monday came to be, and the fact that our God is incredibly creative, while the evil one is not. Hello, Jane. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the show today. And maybe first and foremost, can we start by you introducing yourself and sharing with listeners a little bit about what it is that you do currently? Sure. My name is Jane. I live in Washington, D.C., and I work for a criminal justice reform organization called Reform Alliance. We're focused mainly on legislation around probation and parole, really trying to reform those systems so that they create more opportunities for encouragement and empowerment. It's a lot to do. I mean, people are so excited about criminal justice reform right now. So it's just a huge blessing to be in this space, to be celebrating human dignity in this way. And Mm. yeah, I love that. So that's my, that's my day job. And then on the weekends and very early in the morning, I am the founder and the creative director for the Sunday Monday, which is a website for professional Catholic women who are looking to be bolder in their faith, work, and life. Oh, beautifully, beautifully spoken. And I'm going to note too that we have a three hour time difference. So when you say earlier in the morning, you're doing the Sunday Monday, like how early are we talking? <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, with everything with work is has been so crazy. So I've been getting up, I mean, 5.30 or 6. But it's great because I get really excited. So I have this okay. excitement. I'm a morning person anyway. I have my Nespresso machine that everyone who knows me knows I love. So I just get some coffee and I sit down and I write. And it's it's honestly so quiet and peaceful in the mornings that it's a really great time to write and to edit and to work on, you know, all the little kinks on a website that mm-hmm. that choose to choose to act up. So the mornings are kind of my happy time. I'm definitely not a morning person. So I think to hear that from other people and hear that in this context too, I'm just I feel more inspired. I'm like, you know, maybe I should wake up earlier, get more things done, just get your day into motion a little quicker. Yeah, don't force it, but mornings are great. <laughs> okay, well, there's some words of encouragement for you today. In terms of your personal faith journey, obviously there must have been a lot to get you to this point in your life, your career. Has faith always been a part of your life? So I grew up in a Catholic home. I'm the oldest of four kids and the only girl. And I was so lucky. I went to Catholic school from fourth grade through high school. Faith was a was a huge part of our life. My mom ran faith camp at our parish. Oh. Yeah, so I was really, really fortunate. But I think as a kid, I was very much this kind of type A teacher's pet. 
I did what I was told. I wanted to get great grades. And so I think my faith really fell into that bucket. It was kind of like I was being told to go to mass. I was being told that being an altar server was a good thing to do. And so I did all those things because I thought it was like I was, I was supposed to do it. But a huge shift happened in my life when I was 12. My mom sent me to a Regnum Christi camp, which was in Arizona. And I grew up in California. So I got to take a flight all by myself. And I remember I was so excited to fly by myself. I went to the little store and got a People magazine and all the peachos. I was so excited. Really had no idea what to expect. But my entire worldview shifted because all of a sudden I was surrounded by 12, 13, 14 year olds and, and girls in high school who were on fire for the Lord. Like they knew Jesus. They knew the Holy Spirit. We had daily mass, which I thought was the craziest thing ever. It was like, we're going to do this every single day. (laughs) And these girls were so excited about it. And their excitement was contagious. And I came away from that camp really wanting that relationship with Jesus. And I think he had clearly been pursuing me through all of those years. But this was the first time I saw people really living their faith in that way. As you know, you go on a retreat or you go to a camp and then you come home and things kind of fade away. Life gets in the way. And so it was kind of that roller coaster for a while. If I would go to a a different event or I I got to go volunteer at World Youth Day in Madrid, which was amazing, right? I mean, millions and millions of young Catholics. And then you come home and you go back into a normal life. And so really that was kind of my middle school, high school was like, okay, yes, I'm like definitely Catholic. I love Jesus. I want to know him, but there's a lot of other things to do too. Mm -hmm. So then I went to college and I went to a massive public university, UC Santa Barbara, right on the beach in California. I didn't know anybody there. And so it was kind of that moment I think a lot of people have when you go to college, which is nobody really knows me. I can be whoever I want to be. And so I decided that in college, I wanted to be in a sorority and I wanted to be not this like goody two shoes kind of girl that I'd been my whole life. I made this new group of friends and just really tried to jump in and find joy in a lot of the things that they were finding joy in, whether it was socializing or different events. I ultimately just found myself feeling pretty disappointed. I felt like a lot of the things that that my peers were doing that they were finding a lot of joy and fun in were, were leaving me feeling pretty used and frustrated. And it was around this time that I met a Focus missionary. Focus had just come to our campus my freshman year. And so I met her kind of by chance and she said something, she was so excited. I was in a sorority. She was like, this is great. We're going to start a Bible study in your sorority. And I could not have gone away from her faster. I was like, that is not (laughs) going to fit my cool girl vibe. I'm not doing that. It wasn't until a few months later that I realized, wait, I maybe should talk to this woman because she seems like the only person who might have a different perspective than my friends who are telling me that I'm, you know, being too picky about all of these things that I just don't feel great about. And so uh, she was so great. And she sat down with me and just listened to me talk and cry for hours and hours. And instead of judging me or telling me that I needed to change all of these things in my life, she just started to invite me into things and started inviting me to a Bible study and invited me to daily mass and different events. And I started to see that there was this other way to live And yeah, it was her friendship. And then just that continual journey, I think, you know, the more we open the door to Jesus, the more he can walk in and and work in us. And yeah, so that was my, that was my faith journey. And obviously it's been about five or six years since that moment. Um, It's, you know, there've been high moments and low moments and consolation and desolation, lots of different seasons, but I've been really grateful that the Lord has never (laughs) forsaken me in those times and has really just loved me super well. 
And it's so beautiful, like what you're describing about just how you've had that foundation of a Catholic faith. And that's kind of maybe like that thing that you kept going to, whether it was consciously or subconsciously. And this invitation that you speak of, of like, you know, every moment really is like opening the door and just being able to be going deeper and deeper with Jesus every single moment. So that's truly incredible. And I'm glad that it's brought you to where you are. When it comes to like what you studied in college and how that leads into the work that you're doing now, criminal justice reform, huge topic. And as you mentioned, like, you know, in this political climate, there's a lot of things going on. Has this always been something that you've been interested in? Or was there another plan Mm. in the background? Yeah, great question. I, so I studied political science and communication. Mm -hmm. My original plan was that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. So I, I came into college really focused on that. But my freshman year at UC Santa Barbara, we had a school shooting. It was absolutely devastating. But I think in that, I saw a lot of these journalists kind of crawling around the campus, trying to follow us into our dorms and ask us questions, you know, taking the situation, taking pictures of us crying and posting it on stuff. I mean, it just sickened me. So at that point, I was like, I'm not doing journalism anymore because I, and I know many people who are incredible journalists. I have friends who are amazing journalists. But at that moment, I was like, I don't think I could do that work. Mm -hmm. So I picked up political science. I was lucky enough to do an internship in the White House when I was a junior, the summer after my junior year of college, which was just the absolute dream and so amazing. I met so many people. It was just amazing. I mean, being in Washington, D.C., which is my favorite city ever, and being around people who are really driven to make change and want to make the world a better place. It was just awesome. So I knew that I wanted to be in D.C. and I wanted to do some form of advocacy work. I also knew that I wanted to do some form of bipartisan advocacy work because at the current moment, not much is getting done on either side of the aisle, but criminal justice reform is something that is moving forward. And so the funny story about my job is that it was actually through, um, I participated in pageants and it was actually at a pageant that I met this girl and her mom had been very involved in the passage of the First Step Act, which was a sweeping bipartisan act signed by the president in December of 2018. I had said something about politics, and so we sat and talked and talked, and from that moment on, I just really admired this woman, wanted to work with her, and so this past fall, she shared that she was actually taking a new position with Reform Alliance as the chief advocacy officer and moving from San Francisco to D.C. and asked if I wanted to come with her, so it's really a crazy full circle moment. God uses everything for sure, and it's given me that opportunity to do the advocacy work, which I think is so important with people that I really admire. And now in a climate where there's this great awakening happening and people care and legislators on both sides of the aisle really care. So, so yeah, I think that's kind of my journey into criminal justice work. Mm-hmm, right. And you speak earlier about being able to uphold the dignity of humans and just the fact that even in our correctional systems or like political systems, at the end of the day, there are a lot of, I guess, like injustices that happen. And these are still humans that we're working with, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I guess like what have been in the time that you started working in this field, what have been some of the biggest eye opening moments for you? Mm, Yeah, much like the the moment that we're seeing with this awakening of I mean, it's all comes hand in hand. But um, with these racial inequities that are coming to the surface, right? So much of our understanding is shaped by stories. And so it's by hearing stories and meeting people, we understand things in a different way. Before working here, I didn't have any family members who had been in prison. Um, I hadn't experienced that, praise God. 
I didn't know people who had been in prison. I didn't really have much of a worldview around that. But since working here with many people who have, have experienced what it's like to be in prison or have had loved ones in prison, my mindset has shifted a lot. And I've, I've been able to really open myself up, not saying that I was closed off before, but I think that in so many things, when we don't think about it very much, or we don't have that personal connection, it's very hard to see. In terms of probation and parole, and the reason that our organization focuses on that is because probation and parole should be designed as a sort of mentorship program, right? So it's it's a parole is when you've come out of prison. So you've served your time in prison and you might be finishing your sentence in the community. Probation is given as typically, this is the typical, is typically given as an alternative to prison. So instead of going to jail or prison, you, you get probation sentence. What happens often is that people who are under uh, supervision and parole or probation get technical violations. So say, for example, you need to meet with your parole or probation officer once every month. If you are late to that meeting, you can be put back in jail or back in prison if you're unable to pay a fine, right? So in this time, so many people are out of jobs. So we have all of these people who are on parole or probation who cannot pay their fines, which could mean that they would be put back into prison. So something we did right at the beginning of the coronavirus was we passed the safer recommendations. So the whole idea of that was, hey, please do not revoke people for technical violations when they are not getting a paycheck. Our prisons are hotbeds for coronavirus because people are, you know, you have four people in a six by eight cell. They don't have the money for PPE. Thankfully, we've been able to do a lot to get PPE into the prisons, but the prisons are not the place to be right now. And so that's been a big, a big initiative is what is the point of prison, right? And what is the point of jail? And is it that you don't have an opportunity to work? So you don't have the opportunity to make any money. So you can't pay your fines. And then we're going to take you away from your family. We'll put your children in foster care. I mean, the amount of cases we see, it's absolutely heartbreaking, Rachel, of these I mean, one that comes to mind of this man who was a single father, he has two children. One of them is a young man with a developmental disability and he wasn't unable to pay his fines. And so he was put back into prison. His kids were put into the foster system. And what are we doing? We're, we're tearing families apart. That is not a rehabilitative reaction <laughs> because what is he going to gain from being in prison? What are his kids losing by having their father put away? So I'm sorry, that's a lot of rambling about this work, but, but it's a lot of things that if you're not facing it personally, you don't know. And it's really, really a place that a lot can be done through legislation, which is what, what we're focusing on. You know, I am super thankful that with my family, like we never had to go through something like that. So like you said, if you're not actively facing it, it can be so difficult to understand and, you know, to, to kind of take in and really maybe critically understand like what it is that we see on the news or read in the news. So I think just to have that awareness is very helpful. In many ways, it's like it does open you up again to really, you know, see people for who they are, really. And mm -hmm. and I guess it's like, I'm curious to know, like for you as a Catholic, do you ever find it challenging to reconcile or integrate that part of yourself into this work? Or like, how does that usually work for you? <laughs> it's a great transition, but that's really where, where the idea for the Sunday Monday came. And this work, which is so much centered on human dignity and protecting the rights of people. I mean, you look at Matthew 25, visit the imprisoned, Pope mm. Francis, the Stations of the Cross this year. I don't know if, if you saw, but his Stations of the Cross were acted out and the cross was carried by people who were either currently in prison, people who work as guards in the prison, people who work as nurses in the prison. So Pope Francis is elevating the conversation of criminal justice in a way we've, we've really never seen. So I think that the work I'm doing praise God, is very much in line with our teaching. It's recognizing the value of people. It's using our voice to speak out against injustice. 
and oftentimes going against what a lot of the world is saying. I mean, how many times was Jesus saying this is not how the world was designed to be? So yeah, thankfully in this job, I'm really able to see my faith, obviously in the, in the minutiae, right? Like, so we're talking about the big things and the exciting things, but work is not always those big and exciting things. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And especially in our work, there's a lot behind the scenes. That's not always the most fun. And that can be kind of exhausting and frustrating. I mean, politics in general, all of this, right? It's a very frustrating, hot and cold kind of industry. And so having my faith as that rock, kind of in that that stormy seas of who the heck knows what's going to happen this week? What's this person going to say this week? How do we respond this week? Like what other videos are going to come out this week? Like what everything is so instantaneous that having something stable like our faith has really helped me to stay focused on the ultimate mission, which is Mm -hmm. to celebrate human dignity and to protect families who are being, who are really being hurt um, by this. Amen. Yes. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm glad that there are people like yourself and that mother that you met all those years ago doing pageants, like you said, God uses everything. He Mm -hmm. takes different parts of us and he really keeps us together. And in many ways, he will still be able to weave together different parts of us and Mm -hmm. preserve that. So I think like that's what I find so exciting about what I'm hearing from you. I didn't realize that I stepped into a a great segue. <laughs> so let's talk about that, the Sunday, Monday. And again, like just how this is such a wonderful opportunity for not just maybe women that you know personally, because I understand that it started as a localized initiative and then it turned into this more expansive mm-hmm. women from all over America. So what is the origin story of the Sunday, yeah. Monday? Yeah, well, I want to jump into the origin story, but I want to feed off of something you said earlier, sure. you, uh, just a moment ago, where you were saying that, like, you know, what are these gifts and, and how do things tie together? I think we live in a world that expects every job to be like the be all end all and we'll find our purpose in work. I wrote a piece for the Sunday Monday called Can I Quit? Because that's a conversation I have so often with people where they're like, this isn't the calling that God has for me. He wants me to do something crazy or something different. And if you ask questions and you get to the heart of it, typically it's because we say like, oh, well, because I'm looking at that person and they're doing something cooler or, you know, (laughs) oh, like sometimes my work gets boring or sometimes I wish I lived in a different place or whatever it is, right? Like it's recognizing that the things that we are passionate about, even if we're not living them in our work, God will use that, right? As a building block to get us closer to where he wants us. So the Sunday, Monday, it was a building block off of a different origin story. So I graduated from Santa Barbara in 2017. Of our graduating class, I think eight or nine went on to become focused missionaries. And I discerned out of it. I didn't feel like the Lord was calling me to be a missionary. So instead I moved to San Francisco to work in tech and I had a great tech job with beanbags and dogs everywhere and free (laughs) lunch. It was an awesome job. I got to travel a lot and I got really swept up very quickly in this new pace of life with happy hours and different events and things, but I quickly realized something was missing. Mm -hmm. So I started going to this young adults group in San Francisco, which was awesome But again, it didn't have that intimacy that I had loved. When I was in college, I was running with this group of women who I saw every week, who kept me accountable, who held me, held me up and called me higher. And I I didn't have that in San Francisco. So I posted on the group's Facebook, hey, everybody, I'm new to the city. Does anyone have a women's Bible study? And one woman responded and was like, yeah, we have one, but it's at a, it's at 930 in the morning on Tuesdays. And I was like, okay, that (laughs) doesn't really work for most of us, I think. But ultimately, I had all of these messages start coming in on Facebook and people commenting on the post saying, hey, I'm looking for one too. When you find one, let me know. Mm. And so ultimately, I realized that if I wanted to have a Bible study, 
I probably needed to start it. And praise God, the Focus Missionaries had pretty much forced me to start my own Bible study when I was in college, which was so good. I'm so grateful for it because mm-hmm. starting this seemed like less of a crazy endeavor. They didn't force me. They encouraged me strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad they did because sometimes we need that person to kind of push us out of the nest a little bit. So we started this Bible study in San Francisco and the Holy Spirit took over. I mean, we had so many incredible women coming. We would meet on Monday nights and just talk about work and life and from a Catholic perspective, right? Which is so rare to, to have that in our, in our world. And then we'd go out into the world and, we, and we'd live our faith in work. Many of these women, I, I would say most of these women were working in the secular world. So it wasn't as if we were, we were constantly surrounded day in and day out with people who were Catholic. And in some cases, we were even facing people who were actively antagonistic against our faith. Mm. And yeah, having a community for that just made it so much more feasible and knowing that we could text someone during the day and be like, oh my gosh, this person just asked me this. What do I say? That community was so good. And so that group grew and grew. And if you're in San Francisco, reach out and we'll add you to that group because they're still meeting. I love, and I miss those girls so much. But yeah, when I moved to DC, I thought, oh gosh, DC is going to be so different. I knew there was a huge Catholic community here. It's going to be just a totally different world. But then I walked into the exact same situation. It was like Groundhog Day. And it was the same, like amazing, beautiful, holy women working in the secular world, still trying to figure out how we were supposed to juggle those things. And in that moment, I realized, okay, I don't think the Lord is calling me to start another Bible study, Mm -hmm. but I think he is at this point. And at this point, a lot of girls from San Francisco had moved. So we have a friend in Nashville, a friend in Austin, a friend in Chicago, a friend in Kansas City. So these girls were moving all over the country. And I wanted to create a resource that would serve our demographic. I mean, the church is so good at serving college students through organizations like Focus, so good at serving women who are married and have young children. I mean, the church is just abundant in resources, but this group of like 20 to 30s women who are trying to pursue God's will for their life, it's Mm -hmm. a lot harder to find those resources. And so that's the idea of the Sunday Monday. It is a website I've been so lucky to have amazing women write for it, writing all about what it was like to have to move your wedding and lose your job during the coronavirus. Women writing about that transition from being a missionary into the secular world, what that looked like. People writing about being stalked by saints in different ways or bringing up their faith in life. I mean, these years of the 20s and 30s are some of the most traumatic and difficult of our lives. I know I would have so appreciated reading stories from women who had also experience these things. And you feel that community. We were talking before we started recording about the importance of community in this mm-hmm. coronavirus when we feel so separated. And so that's the idea of the Sunday, Monday. A couple things stand out. Like you were mentioning earlier on in the interview, we were talking about your faith journey and just the different retreat experiences that we have. And I think, you know, many listeners can relate to this fact that you go on something that's like, you know, you're so on fire for the Lord and then you come back to reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see masses like sometimes, yeah, like, you know, mass is mass, but of course mass is also mass. Like we're partaking in this beautiful wedding feast every single week. So it's in many ways, like a mini retreat. And and I guess it's like, you know, what I hear from not just even the name, but the concept behind it is that it's like, okay, you're Catholic, you're going to mass, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're participating maybe in like a Bible study group or whatnot. And then when you go back into like the secular or your work world, How does that translate? And do the two have to be separate? We feel that they're separate, or I feel myself being torn in two different directions, but it doesn't have to be that way. What has the response been Mm. from new followers or maybe other women that you've been working with on this project? 
Yeah, well, I'm glad that you got the name, the Sunday Monday. It was a total Holy Spirit moment getting that name because I felt the Lord calling me to do this. And I said, that's fine, but you need to come up with a name because coming Mm. up with a name is always so hard. And I went on a rosary walk like 20 minutes later and boom, (laughs) I said, okay, great. But yeah, that's the whole idea. It's bringing Sunday into Monday and bringing our whole self to work. You know, we see this conversation in the workplace a lot. It's like, bring your authentic self to work and like bring all of who you are to work. And a big part of that is faith. I mean, it's scary to say, hey, I'm going to mass at lunch. Sometimes that might be scary. And and if you feel unsafe doing that, then, then I'm not encouraging you to put yourself in a place that could be dangerous. But I think that, yeah, we really, we really do struggle with that. And the response has been so good. I mean, I think Satan really likes to make us feel like we're not doing enough. Mm. And it was like the week before I was launching it that I was praying and God just said to me, like, Jane, what would you do if somebody else launched the exact same thing, but had a way bigger following and did it way better than you? Would you keep doing it? And that was a reckoning I had to face, right? Because in my head, that's what I was doing. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people on Instagram who are talking about their faith. And there's so many amazing, beautiful women who are doing an incredible job using the platform. And that's not my heart. Like doing the Instagram is one of the harder parts for me. I really care about the site. I care about the stories and the content, but I know I need to use the Instagram. So it's like coming to terms with that and realizing like what my gifts are and that it's not ever a competition. It's actually just all of us being obedient to what the Lord is calling us to. Um, And yeah, the personal stories I've heard from people who have been able to learn and grow through these stories um, people I don't know, reaching out and asking to write and saying, Hey, I've, you know, I've been wanting to articulate this for a long time, but I just haven't had a space for it. So it's, it's creating space for people to share their voices. It's also creating a community for people to hear, hopefully what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Especially I think for professional working women, there really is something about secular society looks at, you know, professional women. And, and I think You could go on a whole other podcast episode and talk about this, but certainly it's like the struggles that we have as women. And you've even articulated just kind of like when you look at Instagram as a platform, for example, just seeing like how many different types of people are maybe talking about their faith or even things that are very, very similar to what it is that you're talking about. And I know that for me, certainly like everything that you talked about, asking the Holy Spirit for a name to the moment up until launch, thinking, can I really do this? Am I really qualified to do something like Mm. this? All these things brings me back to a year and a half ago where I'm just kind of, is God really asking me to launch this podcast? I guess he is. So here we go. (laughs) Um, and, And what encouragement do you have for women when it comes to pursuing their dreams? And actually, if they feel that type of prompting to start something and they feel themselves being held back, maybe by some of the fears that you've articulated, like what advice do you have for them? Yeah, two things. First, don't force it. Like I am an Enneagram three crazy. Like I like to do things. I I enjoy bringing people together. Like I'm a doer. And so, so many times I've come up to this idea, like this is the idea that God wants me to do and pursue. And then that's the idea. And I can't tell you, Rachel, how many websites I have bought and designed and then have never gone anywhere because Mm. the spirit fizzled out in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what's so crazy about this project was that the whole thing was completely unlike me. I decided to do it. And in my typical character, I would have been like, great. And we're launching on Friday. (laughs) But with this, for some reason, I felt compelled to hold the launch for like six weeks. So I came up with the idea on my 25th birthday, which was April 21st. I started Mm. building it on the 23rd. I got the name on the 23rd. After that, it was just like, okay, 
I'm going to take this time and really try to make this site everything I can, really try to get writers in and really follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Like, what is he asking me to do? And at one point, I had this feeling like I should probably see if I can get a priest who will edit these pieces and make sure that everything we're saying is in line with the church. That would be a good idea. And so if I hadn't given myself those six weeks in that strange prompting that is completely against my personality, I don't think that the site would be as good as it is today. Uh, Mm. So I think while we can get very caught up in, I got to do something now and I have to make it happen now. The second thing I wanted to say is that Satan is not very creative. I think I'm putting this post up today. Maybe it's going up next week, but I wrote a piece on spiritual attack Mm. and a couple of things about Satan. One, he really works in urgency. So he's like, I want you to do it now. You have to do it now. You're behind. You should have started three weeks ago. You should start five years ago. When we start feeling that urgency and our heart starts racing and we start freaking out, we have to stop and say, okay, has God ever driven me towards something with urgency and anxiety? Never, never, ever, ever. And this was the first project I've ever done that I felt peace through the whole thing. And then the second thing is Satan is not creative. And so once you do try to start doing something and you start moving forward, he is going to come at you with the same like two or three lies. He cannot for the life of him think of something creative. And so he will come at you with everybody else is doing it better. And the response is always, okay, well, God asked me to do it. So I'm being obedient and that's all I can do. And so remember that, like, if you do feel called to do something, just do a little check, a little spirit check and be like, okay, do I feel drawn to do this with urgency? And for me, another big piece was, I know with my own sin and weakness that I needed to do something that was not me. That was not about me. And so the site is not called janekennedy.com. It's called the Sunday Monday. And it's a group of people writing together because that was what I really wanted. I didn't want it all on my back. I didn't want to have people like whether they liked me or didn't like me. I mean, you might connect to my career story. Somebody else might not. We're all doing different things. And so recognizing that Satan isn't creative, don't feel drawn into something by urgency. And if the Lord wants you to do something, he will pursue you so peacefully and so joyfully and things will fall into place. Crazy things will fall into place. And you can just trust that your obedience is going to bring you closer to him and and achieve whatever he wants through whatever project you're working on. Absolutely. All of that, you know, it warms my heart and it just makes me think of, my own story with this project and you know you're absolutely right just like the the peace that comes with it the peaceful nature in which he invites never forces never imposes and he'll make it slow and he'll make it easy whereas urgency really is the language of the devil Mm. and just like you know that urgency and frustration and we can push him over here and it's fine and we can just focus on what it is that God wants us to do so thank you so much for that encouragement Jane and I guess just as we get to the end here in terms of thinking about your own feminine genius you talked about gifts earlier and we talked about the different and the vast experiences that you've had throughout your life so far how have you seen the feminine genius play throughout your life Yeah, through my life. Wow. Yeah, I think, well, in in talking about gifts again, I think our society gets very tied up in what am I supposed to do? And you look at your Myers-Briggs and you go to a career counselor and they tell you, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. And we put so much weight in these gifts and talents that we think are supposed to be used in a certain way. But our God is way too creative for that. Like he doesn't work in some Enneagram Myers-Briggs world, right? He's so creative. And so I think that when I look at my own feminine genius and the gifts that I think that I have, a lot of it has just been being obedient to the Lord and taking the next step. Mm -hmm. So in college, 
it was just taking that next step and being like, okay, maybe I need to open myself up to something else that could bring me some more joy. And so then that led me to my faith. And it was in my faith and rediscovering my faith in a sorority. I was living in a sorority house with 41 other girls. That's why I have a huge heart for the secular world. That's Mm. why I think that we as Catholics, I think people can get very scared of working somewhere that's not a, a diocese or a school. And I think those jobs are very important and we need great campus ministers and great youth ministers. We need all of those people. But don't be afraid. If the Lord is calling you somewhere, we're meant to be a missionary people and he will always equip you for the places he will call you. And so, yeah, I mean, I can see that in every step of my life, just being obedient in that Bible study and saying, okay, I will start this Bible study in San Francisco and we'll see where that goes. And then that introduced me to so many other people and opened so many other doors. And so if I took a spiritual inventory test, I think I'm probably hospitality, but I would not know that if I hadn't said yes to those graces, right? And so instead of waiting to figure out what these gifts are before we act, I think we should act And then we'll recognize the gifts because the Lord gives us graces. I mean, you look at Moses, right? He was called to lead these people out of Egypt. He had a stutter. So if he'd been like, oh, guys, so sorry. Can't do it. I have a stutter. Can't do it. Didn't get that gift. Like what would have happened, right? The Lord uses the most unlikely people in the most unlikely of ways. So so I think that's the beauty of our feminine genius is we don't have to get lost in, in what the world tells us are our gifts and our talents because he will always give us the grace to get where we need to go and where he wants us. Beautifully spoken. Thank you so much. And, and yeah, like what a gift it is to, you know, first and foremost, like, you know, have that invitation to be a part of God's plan for salvation history at this point mm-hmm. in time, at this point in our history. Like there is a reason why God has placed each of us exactly where we are right now and has made us as who we are. So that's incredible. Mm. And Jane, I can't thank you enough for your time today. And would you mind leading us in a closing prayer? Yeah, of course. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you so much for this time with Rachel. I thank you so much for um, anyone who might be listening right now, Lord. I pray especially for anyone who might believe that they're hearing your call. Lord, I just ask that you protect them from any attacks of the enemy. Help them to know and to believe truly that you are good and you will equip and empower and lead us exactly where you want us to go. I pray for anyone who is facing doubt or frustration in their job, for all those who do not have jobs right now and are looking. Lord, I just ask that you might open doors for them and you might grant all of us the grace to trust you knowing that you love us and you are creative and generous beyond our wildest imagination. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jane, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rachel. This is so fun. Thank you again to Jane Kennedy for joining us on the Feminine Genius Podcast. To learn more about the Sunday Monday, you can check out their website, thesundaymonday.co. And be sure to follow them on Instagram at thesundaymonday underscore. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and so many other places. 
All of this information can be found on our website, feminineniuspodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.